Fourth is that you have to engage the community. What we often realize is that, or often ignore, is that we design things for people without involving them in the design process. We try to solve the problems of the most vulnerable without giving them a voice in the solution and even in the service delivery. So that really needs to change. Welcome to the AOU podcast, Entrepreneur Leadership in Africa, where we explore more on being a bold entrepreneur leader. I'm your host, Savannah Olo, and today I have with me Ndidi Nuneli. Ndidi is the founder of Leap Africa, co-founder of AACE Food Processing and Distribution, and the managing director at Sahel Consulting, which is focused on the agribusiness and nutrition landscapes in Africa. She has over 23 years of experience in international development and has led a range of initiatives across West Africa. She is also a well-established author with a book out, Social Innovation in Africa, A Practical Guide for Scaling Impact. She is extremely passionate about empowering the agricultural sector in Africa and is consistently finding ways to solve social challenges we face on the continent. I asked her what her current read is and you won't believe her response. How can we get more social innovators in Africa? What do you need to be a social innovator? Well, stay tuned and know it all. Join us as we uncover a whole new world from our diverse community of entrepreneur leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, join me in welcoming Ndidi Nuoneli. So thank you so much for being with us today on the AOU podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted. I'm a big fan of ALU and uh, always would be willing to support your cause. I'm glad we could hear that. Um, so to kick off this episode, a small icebreaker, uh, just to get you a bit comfortable with, you know, the mood and who I am as well. Uh, we just want to get into the nitty gritties of like how you think. So what are the current books that you're reading and would you rec- what would you recommend to your audience? So I'm writing a book at the moment, so I'm actually Ooh. not reading. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, you weren't ready for that one. <laughs> I'm writing and uh, I'm reading, uh, I, I'm just reading a lot of agriculture manuals, interviews, and, uh, you know, data sets for my book. Uh, so that's right. what I'm reading. Sadly, I have not read a novel in about a year. Um, Stand in your more. power. We weren't expecting that, but it's great to hear that you're writing a book. Can't wait to see it. And hopefully we'll address it in the course of this interview, right? Definitely. All right. So you're, okay. (laughs) It actually goes into my next question. So you're working on a book, Food Entrepreneurs in Africa, Scaling Resilience Agriculture Businesses, to be published by the Rotledge in 2020. Why did you decide to focus on food entrepreneurs? And what, what, what do you mean by the time by the term resilience agriculture businesses? All right. So agriculture is such an important part of our livelihoods in Africa. And we're naturally right. endowed for agricultural excellence. As a people, there's no reason why one third of our young people should be malnourished. It's just yes. a travesty. And this sector can grow to be a $1 trillion industry by 2030. I'm convinced that African entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs in Africa, leveraging innovation and technology should be at the forefront of 
transforming the sector. And so that's what the book is focused on. It's really a how-to guide for young people who want to build successful agri and food businesses across the continent. So I've spent the last year interviewing entrepreneurs, conducting surveys, engaging with thought leaders and policymakers, investors to really empower our people. So it's a very practical book with lots of great stories, great insights, great research and data which I hope will get every young person excited about starting and growing a business in this sector to ensure that we can feed ourselves and nourish the world. What do you think is a key takeaway that people should consider when getting this book once it's out? Well, COVID-19 has shown us that we're really (laughs) exposed in so many ways, that food is medicine. And what started as a health crisis has now become a food crisis and a social crisis. And when I started this book, I didn't know that COVID-19 would hit and that food would become such an important part of the response mechanism. And so what this has shown us and why this is so timely is that this is one very important ecosystem that cannot be ignored. And every young person who wants to make money but make a difference should consider this sector. You know, our mindset that agriculture is farming and is for old people in the villages <laughs> is wrong. It's outdated. Um, agriculture, agribusiness is a whole ecosystem from the funky chefs in the cities to the tech entrepreneurs leveraging digital technology and drones to the finance person doing crowdfunding. You know, there's so many new faces of this agribusiness entrepreneur. And that's what I want to yeah. showcase, what I want to celebrate uh, and what I want to underscore with the book. Right. So you've also published a book, um, Social Innovation in Africa, a practical guide for scaling impact. Can you explain to our audience what does social innovation mean and why is it important for Africa? So social innovation is basically a term that refers to an individual who has an idea that they basically want to solve a social problem. So when we talk about social innovators, they're individuals who see society, see problems in society and come up with new ways for addressing those problems. New ways either by tweaking existing solutions or by coming in with a a very new approach, leveraging technology, leveraging um, a new way of doing things. And what we don't see often is we see problems in our continent. We don't think about solutions. Wherever there are problems, there are solutions. And for Africa, you know, we look at the whole ecosystem. I wrote this book because by 2050, Africa is going to have 2.4 billion people. And while that presents a huge market, It also presents a whole range of challenges around sanitation, healthcare, education, um, climate. How are we preparing for this growth? And the truth is many, many people say, wow, I'm overwhelmed at the problems that confront us. But social innovators see those problems and see opportunities for solving problems. So this book focuses on what will it take to scale those interventions, you know? So you found an idea. So I started Leap Africa in 2002. Leap stands for Leadership, Effectiveness, Accountability, and Professionalism. It's a nonprofit that I created to really help young people believe they could be leaders of today and tomorrow, and they could be problem solvers and change agents in their society. Now, when we started Leap, I was motivated by a problem I wanted to fix. And guess what? We were reaching hundreds and even thousands, but we're reaching millions. 
And so through this book, I learned what would it take for us to reach millions with our work. And today, Leap works in six African countries, and we're reaching millions. And that was a whole mindset shift around scaling a social innovation. I'm also the co-founder of a food company called Ace Foods, and that's also a social innovation, but it's a for-profit social innovation, saying we're going to source locally, address malnutrition, and feed our people. And through this different activities and, and entrepreneurial ventures, I've learned that Africa needs homegrown solutions, and we need African entrepreneurs solving our problems in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors, but not solving them with small initiatives that only reach hundreds of people, but thinking about scale as a component of our DNA and our business model to ensure that we can reach millions from the onset. Right. So I, I think we addressed this in a previous episode as well. And I'd like to address the same question to you. How, how would you think we can, um, okay, what are the best practices that we can have to empower the common African um, agriculture enthusiast or, you know, agriculture venture or food, food entrepreneurs, essentially. So how would you encourage the empowerment of the African entrepreneur? Well, there are a number of interventions required, but I would say that the first step is the individual himself or herself really deciding that they're going to be investment ready. They're going to become a leader. They're going to transform themselves to be productive and efficient and effective. Mm -hmm. Because what I find with a lot of entrepreneurs on the African continent is that we haven't empowered ourselves through building our skills and knowledge and our insights. We recently launched another social innovation called nourishingafrica.com mm -hmm. for entrepreneurs in the agriculture and food landscape to equip them with the skills, the tools, the resources, the financing to start and scale their businesses. First, empower yourself. The second is that we need an enabling environment. We need enabling policies. We need infrastructure. And that's where the government comes in. Right. But I also strongly believe entrepreneurs should be involved in shaping their ecosystem by getting out there and shaping policy to ensure that their businesses can thrive in every society in which they work. And then the third piece is really we need an ecosystem of helpers. We need an ecosystem of champions and supporters, and that requires collaboration. Every entrepreneur needs to collaborate with others in their own sector. They need to collaborate with others in the nonprofit sector because you can't do this alone. It's an isolating and often lonely journey to be an entrepreneur on the African continent. Right. But unless you collaborate and build your ecosystem, you'll struggle on your own. Right. And speaking of empowerment, um, innovation is indeed a broad topic of discussion. So looking at key businesses in Africa that focus on social innovation, many face challenges with sustainable business models. What forms of innovation are most relevant for social impact focused businesses? So in my book, Social Innovation in Africa, I right. lay out a very simple model for interventions that are sustainable and can scale. Right. The first is that you have to have a demand-driven business model. It means that you have to be meeting a need in society that society values and is willing to pay for, regardless of how small an amount. The second is that there has to be measurable impact. And many of us start interventions without thinking about how we're going to measure impact. Gone are the days where a few good stories of success can really transform lives and attract the funding that you deserve. Yes. 
The third is that it has to be simple enough that you can communicate this message to the most basic community resident who is not even educated to understand what your innovation is and how it will change their lives. The fourth is that you have to engage the community. What we often realize is that, or often ignore, is that we design things for people without involving them in the design process. We try to solve the problems of the most vulnerable without giving them a voice in the solution and even in the service delivery. So that really needs to change. Fifth, you have to leverage technology. There's no social innovator that can save costs, deliver interventions efficiently and effectively without leveraging technology. And finally, but most importantly, you have to be low cost. In this day and age, if you want to scale and really deliver value, you have to think about how you can cut costs Mm -hmm. through innovation in the way that you're delivering efficient and effective products and services to those who need it the most. And these models have proven to work in every sector from sanitation to healthcare to housing. And for every innovator I have interviewed, they have leveraged these six pivotal tools. With my latest book, I've added a seventh, which is that you have to be resilient to shocks. COVID-19 was one shock. Climate change is another shock. There are going to be so many other shocks. And as we build innovations that can withstand the test of time and really reach millions, we have to build in resilience into the DNA of these businesses and ensure that they they can outlive and survive future pandemics and future shocks. This podcast is brought to you by Venture by AOU, a free course for entrepreneurs. Do you want to know how to overcome entrepreneurial challenges from real life experiences? Well, Venture is an online course designed for young and aspiring entrepreneurs. It features more than 10 AOU entrepreneur leaders who will guide and inspire young entrepreneurs. You can find Venture on venture.aouuducation.com. Once again, venture.aouuducation.com. Venture course for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. Now back to our conversation. Right. So what would you say in, in your experience, you know, as you continue to build your empire, have been the biggest challenges that you face and how did you overcome them? I think the biggest challenge I've faced as a social entrepreneur is really finding mission-driven high achievers, mm. talent for growth. Okay. In every sector that I have started, there's been a challenge because we obviously have not uh, invested in our educational system and haven't invested in teaching our young people the value of a lot of the great work that we're doing in some of these um, new paths. Um, But so I've been investing in, in finding people. It's not been easy. I'll give you an example. We started a Sahel Scholars Program right. where we actually go into universities to get young people excited about agriculture. What we found is that most young people pick agriculture as a third, fourth, or fourth choice option for their studies. They don't pick it as a first choice option. So we've started changing mindsets to say you can make money and do good and make impacts in agriculture so that we can get the best and brightest to work in our companies. I recently posted something on Twitter, which I'd like to share. It's a a Tibetan quote, which I love, which says, if I tell you my dream, you might forget it. If I act on my dream, perhaps you'll remember it, but if I involve you, it becomes your dream too. This has become my mantra. I get young people early and I involve them in my dream and it becomes their dream too. And now with Leap Africa, it's run by young people. 
by Ace Foods is run by young people. Sahel Consulting is now being run, run by young people. Nourishing Africa is a completely young team, under 30 years old. And that just gives me so much hope that we can continue to solve these problems. But mission-driven high achievers is key. And that's why ALU's work is so important on the continent, attracting our young people, empowering them with the skills and the tools to be change agents, to start their own businesses, but also to help others grow their businesses. Great. Thank you so much for that. I... <laughs> I don't even know how to process all that. It's 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 remarkable that you're able to break it down like that and identify exactly what it was. Um, moving on to the next question, you serve on both local and international boards, including the Rockefeller Foundation and Alliance for a Green Revolution in Africa. What steps have such institutions put in place to support social innovation in Africa? So both organizations strongly believe that social innovators are key to transform any economy and any society, right. and that homegrown solutions are also critical. And so Rockefeller Foundation in particular has supported so many social innovators, and through an in innovation called Co-Impact, they also directly invest in social innovators on the African continent. Right. Agra itself, through the Africa Green Revolution uh, Investor Forum, and through their deal room, and all the things they do through the annual conference Agref, are also investing in young social innovators on the African continent. Through the Africa Enterprise Challenge Fund as well, which Agra supports, they're investing in entrepreneurs. So these two organizations strongly believe in um, the power of, of young social innovators and the promise of this sector, the agriculture and food sector. Right. So has... Speak Okay, listening to you speak about, um, you know, entrepreneurship, food entrepreneurs, agriculture in Africa, and, you know, scaling resilience agricultural businesses, has this always been a passion of yours? Or is it something that you identified and sort of, you know, went to the flow and found that was something that was actually, that, that something was, that some, something actually needed to be addressed? So I'm someone who is very, very motivated by a desire to make a difference in society. Right. And I'm also a very strong Christian, and this has been a bedrock of my faith. Right. And so I, at every point in my life, want to fulfill God's purpose and plan for my life. And that pushes me um, to actively seek out opportunities to serve. And I've seen that my life has been in phases. So I went through a phase where I was, for 10 years, just focused on youth development. And that's when I launched... Leap Africa and NIA focused on young people. NIA is focused on women. Leap is focused on leadership development. Right. Um, then the next 10 years have really been focused on food and nutrition through Ace Foods, Sahel, and Nourishing Africa. And, you know, that's kind of how my life has been. And who knows what the future will be. I've also helped launch the Africa Philanthropy Forum and a range of other initiatives really focused on Africans for Africa. Africa solving its own problems, Africa being at the forefront of transformation and being shoulder to shoulder with every other continent. I strongly believe that this continent has everything it takes to fulfill you know, its God-given mandate and to be a leader in the world. And so it hurts me to see us so far behind and I've committed my life to addressing this challenge, especially unlocking the potential that we have in key sectors. And that's what propels me. Wow. 
So the current pan- the current pandemic has stalled the impact and progress of multiple social entrepreneurs in Africa. And I'm sure you've mentioned a few of these points, but what are the key four to five steps that resilient entrepreneurs need to do to survive and keep growing? So I'll say that there are a number of steps. The first one is I tell every entrepreneur, look within yourself and say, what do I have? Right. What skills, what tools, what programmatic approaches, what lessons, what insights, what data do I have? What do you have in your hand that you can leverage at this time? Once you've done your self-audits and company audits, the second thing is to say, how has this shock changed the ecosystem in which I work? And what do I need to do to pivot, to re-strategize, to redefine, and to build back better? Now, this skills audit will directly help you really figure out what your path should be going forward. And I think enough of us have to be honest with ourselves that our business model will need to drastically change given what COVID-19 has shown us. I'll give you a very practical example. If you were in the real estate industry mm-hmm. um, solving problems, um, you'd realize that Now, with COVID-19, many people realize they don't need to be in physical spaces to work. They don't need to be in offices. So if you are renting out office space or even doing co-working spaces, you're going to have to rethink your model significantly given what COVID-19 has demonstrated at this time. So every entrepreneur has to change their mindset. That's number one. Number two, we have to partner with each other. We have to partner with each other. You know, a lot of African entrepreneurs distrust each other. And let's be honest, we've been hurt. We've shared ideas. People have stolen ideas. We think that people are trying to take whatever it is. You have to collaborate. Commit to growing the pie together. Find sisters and brothers in your industry and in other industries and together help each other by sharing data, sharing knowledge, sharing resources This is critical. And number three, shape your ecosystem. Get involved in shaping policy because many of our governments are blindsided. They are struggling to cope with the crisis and the economic fallout of it. And they're not thinking about our industries. We need to get out there and help them formulate policies and plans that work for us. And the uh, the fourth is that you really, really need to invest in local sourcing and whatever your value chain is, Think local. Act global, think local. What do you have in your own backyard that you can use as raw materials, that you can use as service providers, whatever it is? Because COVID-19 has shown us that we have to build our own communities and support networks and leverage what we have at home so that we can reach the world. And I think enough of us have not developed local value chains to support our work. And this is really critical at this time. Right, thank you so much for that. So um, given the social innovation scene, how would you describe um, the scene itself and the impact in Africa? And you know, what are five urgent social challenges that can provide opportunities for African innovators to build solutions? I think the social innovation landscape is growing dramatically. I am so proud of our social innovators across the continent who are working tirelessly to change their communities and their countries. Mm -hmm. So at first, I applaud them. It has evolved significantly. There are lots more local support networks um, and international support networks that are working with our people. Ashoka, 
Echoing Green, Schwab School, and then you have the Bertha Center in South Africa, you have the Africa Philanthropy Forum, and then you have Leap Africa that has a social innovators program where we recognize 20 young people every year who are social innovators in Nigeria, and we train them and support them. So there's so many new opportunities to help you as a social innovator. Now, what are the new challenges that have emerged? Where do we need more social innovators to build solutions? I would say that there are five areas. Number one, education still remains paramount. COVID-19 has shown us that if our children are not sitting in physical classrooms, especially the lowest income populations, we can't reach them. They don't have data, they don't have computers, they don't have electricity, and this is a huge challenge for social innovators. How can we teach our children who are not in formal classrooms? For some countries, we've wasted six months, right? On the lives of these children, they've, they've been subjected to so many social vices because they haven't been in physical classrooms. Yeah. I think we have to rethink education on the African continent. We need social innovators there. We need social innovators in healthcare. And, and, and this is still critical because, I mean, it hurts me that we're importing testing kits from the rest of the world. <laughs> and no African country is producing testing kits. This is unacceptable. And this applies across the board. We need innovation in health. We need social innovators to think out of the box and ensure that Africa does not have to depend on other parts of the world for simple solutions to many of our healthcare problems. Number three, we need social innovators in energy. And we've seen a lot of off-grid solutions, uh, low-cost solutions, but Africa is still the the poorest energy Uh, continents on the world. 600 million households do not have access to electricity. This is a huge gap and we need social innovators there. Four, of course, is agriculture and food. I'm excited about what we are seeing, but we need more social innovators, especially in the area of local food processing. We need innovation to ensure that we reduce post-harvest losses and we build the value of our food globally and change the mindsets of people around African food globally. And there's so much to do in this area. Nourishing Africa is one area, but we need more partnerships. And if I had to pick one more, there are so many others, I would say water. Water, water, water. Water in our urban areas is still a luxury for so many people, and this is not acceptable. Water and sanitation wash, there's a huge gap there, and we need this in our urban communities in Africa. Our mega cities need solutions around water. So there's so many, my sister, but if I had to pick five, these would be the five. (laughs) Thank you so much for that. I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for sharing all these gems and like really breaking down the problems that we face as a continent and how we can solve them or overcome them. Um, I'm looking forward to reading can your I book, repeat? actually. Thank you. Can I repeat my response, the one on what is social innovation? Because I think I stumbled a bit. Do you mind? Definitely. You can go ahead. Okay. So let me just repeat that. So social innovation is, let's start again. Social innovation is a novel approach to addressing problems that affect masses of people across the world. In the African context, social innovation is so critical because of the many needs and gaps that we have in society. Social innovators think of these problems, but where they see problems, they see solutions. And they leverage technology and new insights and new approaches to solve those problems. You also asked about resilience. Resilience is so critical when we think about every ecosystem. 
Now, with COVID-19, with climate change, what we're seeing on the African continent is that we need to build in resilience into the DNA of our innovation so that we can withstand future shocks and future pandemics. And resilience is really the ability to withstand shocks, to keep standing when the winds, the heavy winds are blowing, to keep thriving in spite of the opposition and the challenges that you face. And every social innovator needs to be resilient to truly achieve their dreams. With that said, do you have any other final words or piece of advice for the social innovators that are coming up and even the established food entrepreneurs that we have on the continent? I think the time is now for Africa to solve its problems, to rise up and to truly, truly embrace our full potential. I love this Igbo proverb that says, Mbelede kaja madike. It's during times of crisis that you really see who is resourceful, resilient, and brave. Africans are resourceful, resilient, and brave. This is our time to demonstrate to our communities, to our countries, and to the world that we can solve our problems. We can build a society that we can be proud of. And social innovators, food and ag entrepreneurs, please rise up to this challenge. God bless you all. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. And that was Ndidi Nunelli on social innovation in Africa. She shares more gems of knowledge in her upcoming project, Food Entrepreneurs in Africa, Scaling Resilience Agriculture Businesses. So do have a look when it's out. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts for exclusive access of all the gems of knowledge we drop here. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on your preferred platform. This is the AOU Podcast, Entrepreneur Leadership in Africa, Real Stories, Real Experiences.